Welcome again to Back to the Future Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze the movie Back to the Future one minute at a time. I'm Scott Carell. And I'm Nick Jimenez in the news. (laughs) And today we're going back to minute three, which starts with the revelation that uh, plutonium may have been stolen from the Pacific Nuclear Research Facility. So we can, yeah, there, Uh, there was some controversy in episode two. But I think now about whether or not it was the plutonium, but, or, but now we can say with confidence that it was indeed plutonium. Yeah, there's missing plutonium, uh, and then ends with someone entering this garage and <clears> saying, <throat> "Hey, Doc." Some kind of cool youth. Yeah, some some sort of youth with a with a with a with a scratchy voice and a skateboard and some cool Squeaky. Nike sneakers. Yeah, one would yeah. one would surmise maybe a, a can of Pepsi Free. In his backpack. Possibly. For an after school and a preschool treat. <laughs> um, uh, so here's what I love about this plutonium stolen two weeks ago thing. Like, not only is it great because it's like, oh, okay, so they're setting up the plutonium idea, right? Which is so great. Going to be paid off later. Going to get paid off a little bit in just a, in, in like uh, before the weekend. Yeah. Um. But then it also sets up the the Libyans because she says a Libyan terrorist group claim, claims responsibility. Yeah. But then, you know, the the research facility says it was a simple clerical error. But there's a, ter- a Libyan terrorist group. Like, yeah, again, like what sort of sociopolitical landscape are we looking at in this universe? <laughs> um, this is also a setup to uh, my favorite line in the entire franchise. Uh, which we'll get to when it comes. Okay, um, nice. But it, it involves the Libyans. All right, the Libyans. Um, are are are, a... are the Libyans like the Klingons of the Back to the Future universe? Yeah, I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> the Libyans. <laughs> I love that. Um, so Libyan terrorists. Uh, all right, cool, cool, cool. So then we we pan past the TV and we get. Uh, a toaster, some sort of auto toaster, that is uh, pulling down and spitting out toast. Just burning the burning the shit out of some toast. Yeah, so much, so much burnt toast. Um, I'm making just... toast. Toast. Um. So I wonder. I wonder. Is this supposed to? Est- okay. So so let's let's figure out. All right. So how does this auto toaster work? Would you say? So I think ideally. Okay, so like at one point, unless you have like a robot putting the bread in, you're doing that right. yourself. Correct. That's I agree with that. That's what I think is happening. <clears throat> so I don't know because he's already using the robot arm for the dog food, which we'll get to in a second. Sure. Yeah. Um. So I don't know. I think you know. No disrespect to Emmett Brown. I think he's one of our greatest scientific minds. I think an automatic toaster is a bit redundant. It is. I think I you're think. already doing the hardest part. Right. Because you have to preload the bread. You're, you're preloading the bread. The toaster is doing it for you, and then it pops out. So I'm right. I'm a bit confused about what this special newfangled auto toaster is doing that the toaster I have in my kitchen isn't already doing for me. And faster. And faster, and not burning it. Right. Well, here's the thing, though. Okay, so... If you have to preload the toaster, right, and 
like say like the night before, like you set up everything so that you're when getting you wake ready up, for breakfast tomorrow. Right, right. So then when you wake up, it's all done and you're collecting all your stuff and then going and yeah. doing dun, the dun, science dun. thing. Right? So, so my question yeah. is, my question is, is this establishing the fact that whoever owns these things, whatever madman, <laughs> yeah, has created this auto toaster, which is just, I mean, we're really just getting we're, we're we're setting up Battlestar Galactica is what's happening here. Yeah. Um Proto Cylon. Where does it the stop? auto toaster? Yeah, the auto toaster of <laughs> Proto Cylon. Uh is if you have to preload the bread and the bread is that burnt, because I would assume this is not a new invention. He has had this for a while. Sure. Yeah. And so it must work. Yeah. And and I would assume that it works because He's he's you know Doctor Emmett Brown. He's a, he's a genius. Yeah. Um. So I assume he can figure out an auto toaster. So then my question is, if the toast is that burnt, does that mean he's been missing for days? I think this is an irregular amount of time for the bread yeah. to be still in the toaster. And you know, if we're skipping ahead to um, I right right. Well, I didn't want to. Okay, but I will say <laughs> but... that I think you know clearly it's it's above you and I's minds. Right. But I don't think Emmett Brown would be using the auto toaster if it wasn't doing something right. So I think him I think I think that toast is meant to be a telltale sign that something is amiss. Yes. I agree with that. Um so then we're introduced to the dog food arm. Uh which loads a can of dog yeah, food. Kind of the uh kind of the uh the uh the Kramer if like if if Emmett Brown is like no no Doc's Kramer or is Doc okay oh. Doc Seinfeld Marty is George <laughs> Einstein's Elaine <laughs> and then the robot arm I guess would be uh, Newman. Newman yeah I ran out of guys okay well that was a that was a waste <laughs> of thirty seconds I don't know what that was I was trying okay I failed I, you were trying something yeah. I, it's fine okay. Um, so, uh, so the dog food arm, which we'll call Newman. Yeah. Newman. Uh, Newman, <laughs> Newman grabs a can of dog food, which is a cow can dog food. Uh, wet dog, food. which wet dog, Controversial food. Cow, can do- cow can dog food, which is interesting. Okay. So I looked into cow can dog food. Of course. Uh, <laughs> created in, uh, 1936. It was like the premium dog food. For a really long it was time. the Pepsi then, of dog food. Yeah. Then other dog food. No, it was. It'd be the Coke of dog Coca-Cola food. Coca Cola of dog food. Okay. Yeah. So, so it was the Coca Cola classic of dog food, and then um, it sort of like got beat by all the other dog food brands that you know, and then became Whiskas. Oh, it, it re- the cat food. It rebranded itself. It rebranded itself as Whiskas, the cat food, which is now the premier like cat food. So Whiskas is kind of like if New Coke had like done what New Coke was designed to do. Yeah, it was a, and it, feed cats. It was a re- exactly. so wait. So they <laughs> so so what's this BS about? We're now going to feed cats. I don't know what that's about. I guess I I don't know. But here's the even more interesting part: is that Whiskas then I guess got nostalgic or whatever. And created, like, recreated the Calcan brand. 
They brought it back. They brought it back for dog food. They're like, oh, ingenious. We're gonna we're Whiskas, but we're gonna start making dog food now. Did Whiskas have a a cat mascot that had like sunglasses and like? Because like the name <laughs> Whiskas just screams that it needs some sort of like cool. It had like a. I think the the logo for Whiskas is like a black cat eating. That's boring. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Okay. Um, but but. Here's the thing. They brought back cow cans. Yes, yeah. But it is exclusive to Walmart. Whoa. Yeah. Interesting. Walmart exclusive dog food. Wow. And is it still, Is it? does it come in that classic 1985, like, can? No. Oh. No, no, no. It's been rebranded. It looks like Imes. I, you know what? I've, I've gone through a lot of dogs. <laughs> I've gone through a lot of dogs in my day. Uh, you know, the Jimenez family has always been dog people. Yeah. Um, just harvesting them and eating them <laughs> for their precious dog meat. Uh, no, no, but, but, you know, growing up, we always had a dog around the house. Yeah. And I don't think, looking back, I don't think I've ever given my dog uh, wet dog food. I think we've always been, like, a dry, a dry dog food family. Well, yeah, because if the second that you give them wet food, they don't want anything else. So they won't eat the dry food anymore. Oh, is the wet food, like, of a higher quality? Well, it just, it's it tastes more, it's meat. It's more like what they want, which they always want yeah. is people food. Right, right, exactly. Like, they're like, what is this? It, so it spoils them, and then they and then it's not it's not really great for them, so then they get fat. Oh, uh, okay. Which, you know. Because they don't have to, like, they don't have to chew, you yeah, know? Just, it's like, yeah. It's just like it's like eating meat milkshakes all the time, which sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, if you're a dog, yeah, if you're a dog, yeah, and um, you know, I mean, not, I mean, not to his, you know, not not to insult him. I mean, like, as as we said earlier, he's like the he's the George of the group, but I, I, Einstein's not like the fittest dog, right? That's true, but he's still love. No, you you love him, but speaking of Einstein, yeah, the the. Uh, Newman turns the can over, yeah. over and dumps the food into a bowl labeled Einstein. So we can de- so we can deduce that Einstein is the name of the, of, of a dog, or that <laughs> Doc Brown has kidnapped Albert Einstein and feeds him out <laughs> and, of a dog and bowl. treats him as like a slave. Yeah, yeah. One of those th- options is really dumb. Maybe he's slowly turning him into a walrus. <laughs> Oh God! Answering the age-old question: Is man indeed a walrus at heart? Oh no! Um, um, how great would it be if that's the next movie we'll cover minute minute by minute, minute, minute. By minute. a descent <laughs> a descent into madness? Oh man! Yeah, I don't think I could make it through that because there'd be a there'd um, be like a week where we would just be watching the Guy Lapont, uh, uh, and the other guys. Uh, uh, oh, it'd be longer than that. That was like a ten-minute oh, scene. Oh my gosh! It was. It was. It'd be a two-hour. So in addition, so in addition to Doc <laughs> being gone, we can deduce that yeah. Einstein, be he beast or man, uh, has also been missing for a has while. Has also not been in the garage for some time because that's at least two or three days worth of dog meat piled yeah. on top. So the, which concerns me because what is he feeding Einstein? Yeah, what's Einstein? What's he been eating in while while they've been Shanghai, so to speak? Wherever they are. Wherever they are. No idea where they are. You, yeah, you hope that, that, you know, maybe he brought some to go. Mm-hmm. Um, Do we ever find out where they are? Where they've been? I believe. Uh, weren't they in Libya? 
Is that what they were doing? We'll find out. We'll, we'll find yeah, out. Okay. There's no way he well, does anyway, uh, We'll figure it out. Um, so, okay. So let's talk about breakfast machines. Of course. Real quick. We've all, we start we've all dr- some of the credits. We've all dreamed about it. Right. Let's talk about breakfast machines. Because there was a thing in the 80s where breakfast machines were a thing. Like, a lot of movies had breakfast machines. Yeah. You know? Um uh, I believe I believe one of, like this 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 one is sort of low key. Yeah, it's very subtle, and you know let let let's let's call a spade a spade. It's not the best working one. No, um, but I, I think the I think the one that everyone knows is uh you know from Pee Wee's Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Yeah, I mean that one. That's like we see it working. That. It it makes sense. You follow it. Yeah, You're like, I know how that works. I can see that making me breakfast every morning. Granted, it's a big breakfast. Yeah, it is a big breakfast. It's a lot of food. But that also came out this same year. Whoa, really? I thought that was like 80. Yeah, 1985. Wow, I I always want to say it came out like in 1988. Yeah. Two two, two, uh, breakfast machines in one summer. Wow. Do you think, uh, did Tim Burton see, you know, there's this great story about um, Quentin Tarantino going to see The Matrix being really nervous because he's like, oh, is this going to smoke me? You know, because I, I have Kill Bill coming out like later on. Oh, yeah, maybe because it it opened three weeks before Pee-wee. And so did Tim Burton see that and be, you know, uh, no, no, no. It was uh, The Matrix Reloaded. Oh. And so Quentin Tarantino walked out of Matrix Reloaded going like, I was worried about that. I got that beat. Yeah. So Tim Burton, I bet, was like, oh, no, they also did a breakfast machine. I'm screwed. And then it was like, oh, yeah. my breakfast, my breakfast machine kicks the crap out of this one. Oh, this one just makes toast. This one just makes toast. And feeds the dog. And feeds the dog. Like in mine, A, it all works. I'm making eggs, I'm making pancakes, and at the very end, the piece de resistance. Um it also it all if I'm not mistaken, it also successfully feeds spec, right? Yeah, I think so. Okay. I haven't seen Pee Wee in no. a little bit, but I believe it also successfully feeds uh 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 Pee Wee's dog spec. Yeah, I think so. What other? I'd like to know, yeah, listeners. Let us know what other breakfast machines you've seen in movies. I want to say I feel like blank check. I've seen has a lot. Does blank check have a breakfast have a breakfast machine. It might, or or is it Richie? Richie Rich, Rich definitely. I'd be very surprised if it doesn't have a breakfast machine. Did um, does Honey I Shrunk the Kids have a breakfast? Machine? Yeah, or maybe Honey We Shrunk Ourselves. Um, yeah, Sicario had a pretty a pretty machine. good breakfast machine. Yeah. <laughs> in any in any event, even if none of these things have breakfast machines, they all have breakfast machines in my heart. Yeah, every imagine any movie you saw. Okay, imagine going to see like <laughs> The Walk, but just imagine yeah. that there's like a deleted scene where he's like, "Oh, my breakfast machine is complete. It's making crepes." <laughs> I am French. <sighs> I'd love to see what what Egon's breakfast. Oh, machine I bet Egon had a dope like. breakfast machine, especially like yeah. especially like after they became you know because like there was that bit towards the end where they were out of money, you know, when they could just afford like that one Chinese takeout meal, right? But I bet after they you know the commercials and stuff started rolling in, you know, Egon was like, guys, oh yeah, like Annie Potts. Now Annie... that now that the, now that this now that this meal no longer yeah. uh, represents the last of the petty cash, yeah. I mean, like I would like to create a breakfast. Machine. I bet there was a really dark period where like Annie Potts was making them all breakfast. <laughs> I bet Egon had like a breakfast machine that was like 
uh, Walter White's coffee maker. Oh yeah, totally. Like like that super dope freaking yeah. coffee maker that he has that I'm just like why the hell are we making meth? I wish was real yeah. and I want to have that coffee so bad. Wait, wasn't that Gail Bedecker? Didn't Gail Bedecker Oh, that's right. It was, it was, well, it was Gail, but then didn't Walter improve it somehow yeah, or Walter something? Yeah, Walter was like, if you just do that. Because there's that great yeah, line Yeah, I thought something like that. Okay, you're probably white, right. But I, I always I always picture it being Walter because uh, he used it the most yeah. in, the, in the show. Why the hell are we making meth? Yeah, right. Oh God. Ugh, uh, so good. Um but, you know, is, but yeah, is, that's how okay. I imagine that's what I imagine Egon's would look like. Is it like. me? Like, okay, okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna make a very controversial statement right now. Okay. I almost wanna say that I I think knowing what we know about the Ghostbusters, which between you and me I think is everything, um doesn't doesn't the idea of a whimsical machine that makes you breakfast seem like more of a Ray invention than an Egon invention? It does. That's true. But I think Egon is more of an engineer. Okay, because Ray was definitely a scientist, but he was more into, like, the research development. Well, actually, you know what? You know what? I might take that back because if you remember, Ray – here, we're doing Ghostbusters Minute now. Ray Ray was uh, working on the car. Yeah, yeah. He was fixing the car. So maybe he is more of the engineer person. So maybe you're right. Maybe it is – Maybe it would be Ray stands doing the... Because I could see... Because Egon... I don't know. Egon seems like the kind of guy that would just get up and go. That's true. He would probably have more of this style. Yeah. Like, he would just... Of... You know, you get a bagel, you get some schmear, maybe some coffee, you're good to go. But Ray... I think Ray would be the guy, like, I want flapjacks, I want coffee, I want eggs. You got a good point. Yeah. You got a good point. You know what? I'm picking up what you're putting down. I like Boom. it. Let's, yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about credits. Exactly. Yeah. Because the two credits that come up that are the big ones, um, the first one is uh, Alan Silvestri, who, of course, composed the amazing music of Back to the Future. Living legend. Living legend, Alvin, Alvin, Alan Silvestri. Um, before Back to the Future, though, he didn't – he hadn't done a lot. Um, he had done a couple of like kind of like exploitation kind of movies in the 70s, right? Hmm. And then he became a TV guy. Um, he did music for Starsky and Hutch and Chips and TJ Hooker and Manimal. Manimal. Manimal, yeah. Manimal. Right. And then he did the music for Romancing the Stone, which is where he met Zemeckis. Best, his best buddy. Yeah, Bob Z. Bobby Z. Um, and then doing the music for Romancing the Stone then launched his, uh, his, his, his film career. Um, and so he did like, he did a couple of smaller movies. Like, how did you get in? We didn't see you leave. Some, some are those two that. movies or is that one title? No, that's one movie. How did, <laughs> how did you get in? We didn't see okay, you. Leave. I thought it was one. like that. I thought, how did you get in? And then part two was, we didn't see you leave. No. <laughs> that's the greatest one too. No, it's uh Jerry, Jerry Lewis. Okay. Um, okay. <laughs> we'll just, you never want to ask Jerry Lewis the question, how did you get in? And we didn't see. That's a bad guy to not know how he got into the house. Right. Um, <laughs> uh, and then Fandango and Cat's Eye and then Back to the Future. And then after Back to the Future, it like – then he, he took off. Yeah, the rest of the history, so to speak. Right. He did, he, did the, he did the score for Predator. Really? That's a great score. I, I, I always – that seems to me almost like a Jerry Goldsmith score. Yeah, because it's yeah, so he like did Predator, clangy and bombastic. Um, yeah, he did Predator. He did Overboard. 
Sure. He did Who Framed Roger Rabbit, of, of course. course. He he did Mac and Me, My Step. He did an Mac alien. and Me? Yeah, he did Mac so and he, Me. That, so the score is by far the best part of that movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And he did The Abyss? Well, yeah, classic. Yeah. And then, of course, um, like Forrest Gump. Um, right, right, right. As you go along, he did Father of the Bride. Our generation, I think his, I think his greatest scores uh, in recent years. I'm a big fan of the uh, the Avengers score and the Captain America. Yeah, the Avengers score score and Captain America scores are phenomenal. Da, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. The Captain America score. That's the one that I point to when people are like, "Oh, superhero scores suck now. Like you can't hum any of them." Like I can hum Captain America. I can hum the that's a dude. The score. Avengers. I mean, they they brought it back for the sequel. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could definitely, you can, yeah, you can definitely hum the Avengers too. But the Captain America one is, I think the Captain America one is slightly more iconic. Sure, yeah, to me. Um, um, he did Fern Gully. Great, great movie. Did he do like the yeah. songs for Fern Gully? Because the movie has songs too. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the songs um, are crap, but I mean, he he did the Bodyguard. Oh my gosh! Yeah, he did Super Mario Bros. Oh no. Yeah, and he did. He did Grumpy Old Man. I kind of want to go and listen to the Super Mario. You know Brothers what? I think I remember bits and pieces music. of the Mario Brothers score. Yeah, where it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not even gonna. It could be good. I don't know. Um, he did. Uh, he did Richie. He did Richie Rich. Wow. Yeah, he did. Um, he did. Uh, Judge Dredd. Good. Yeah, that's a good Solid score. score. That's a really good score. Quick and the Dead. Oh my gosh! Yeah, yeah, that's a great score. Uh, Long Kiss Goodnight. Yeah, great. Um, I would want to. I would love did. for Alan Silvestri to work with uh, Sam Raimi again. Yeah, I would like that too. That'd be. Can good. you imagine if Alan Silvestri did the music for um for like Spider Man? Like why? Why did you even have to mention that? Sorry. I now I'm just going to be disappointed with. Whatever random the composer they like get Steven Jablonski. Yeah, they're just going to get some random person um, because Marvel uh, doesn't want to pay people. Um, well, I mean, th- those are the old days. That, oh, that's true. That's true. You're exactly right. Oh. Ah, yeah. That's that's not bad. All right. Well, we'll see. Um, the, the other credit that I want to talk about is Dean Cundy. Of course. Dean Cundy is the DP of Back to the Future. And Dean Cundy, in case you don't know, Dean Cundy basically directed – or I'm sorry, di- he, was director of photography. He shot. On like, yeah, he shot all the movies that everyone loves from the 80s and 90s. And the reason that the 80s in a film looks the way that it does is because of Dean Cundy. It's insane. He's insane. He's so good. All right, so let's let's go. Let's start with like his earliest like big movie, Halloween. Right out of the gate, right out of the gate. Like like he 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 had done like fifteen movies before that, but that was like the first one that like hit big time. So he was he did Halloween, and then the and he did The Fog and Escape from New York. So right away, like you know, no disrespect to John Carpenter, but you know we say oh Halloween invented the horror movie. So it, without Dean Cundey's look and style who knows what the horror landscape would look like today to say nothing about about the fog and escape from new york which are classics yeah totally yeah cundy's cundy's a genius then he did halloween 2 which explains why halloween 2 looks so much like halloween sure 
as opposed to the other sequels, which don't look anything like Halloween. Did he do so? So, so, like, so uh, he didn't do season. All the other sequels to Halloween look like Friday the Thirteenth. Right. Yeah, um, but you had that holdover of a director of photography with a new director, and so you got a very similar looking movie, which is great. He was DP on the thing. Yeah. Um, so he so he was he a carpenter was, man for some time. Yeah, he was a DP. Actually, I take back what I said because he was the DP for Halloween three season of the witch, which is like the secret second best Halloween movie. Yeah, totally. Um, he was the DP for Psycho two, an un- uh, underrated gem, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, Psycho two, Romancing the Stone, classic. We've already talked of about course. that. Yep, and and <clears throat> Romancing the Stone, you can tell that it's him because Romancing the Stone looks and feels so much like Back to the Future. Did he come back for um, uh, for Jewel of the Nile? No, I don't think okay. so. I don't. Think one of so. the many things. Wrong um, with so after Romancing the Stone, then he 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 became like one of the main director of photography uh, people for Tales of the Unexpected. Okay, some television show, um, and then did Back to the Future, and then did Big Trouble in Little China, who, who Framed Roger Rabbit, Roadhouse, Roadhouse, yeah, Roadhouse, Pain Don't Hurt, Back to the Future two and three, Nothing but Trouble. Nothing but trouble. Yeah. Oh, whoa. B-side. Yeah. When you, as soon as I say, no, oh, he was a DP on Nothing But Trouble, it's like, oh, oh yeah, that makes sense. That guy. That makes complete sense. Because that movie looks like Back to the Future. Looks like all these other ones. Now this is when we start getting to, like, the ones where you're like, oh, wow. He did Hook. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. He did Death Death Becomes Her. He did Jurassic Park. He did The Flintstones. Casper. Apollo thirteen, Flubber. See now the we're see, trap. see now we're going into like my like my childhood. Yeah, what women want? <laughs> what um, women then, want was a huge part of my childhood. Yeah, yeah, and then and then and then he did he he was DP on West Wing for a oh while. Oh my gosh, yeah, yeah. So like this guy is insane, and and then he suddenly he started doing kids movies, and then. Now he just it it seems like he just kind of works on like kid stuff now. Um, he was DP on Jack and Jill. Oh, okay. That that terrible Adam Sandler movie. What what was crazy kind of love? That was Virginia Madsen. Okay, I recognize the title, but I don't really recognize the. It's movie, a great. So. I mean, it's a great song. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, he's he he's sort of like fallen out of favor. Like Gosh. he doesn't really do a lot now. I would love to, and that's just—it's mind-boggling to me. Hey, but you know, filmmakers listening to this, yeah, um, it sounds like he's—you know—I mean, I don't know. I mean, God, God, to sit that guy down. He was born in '46, so he's an old guy. Like, for the love of God, people, like somebody get him on a great movie again before we lose. Like, him. Give him one last like shot at the horizon. Like, get him to. Yeah. Can you imagine getting him to shoot like like Captain Marvel? <sighs> getting to getting him to shoot any Marvel movie or DC movie for that matter. Yeah, but there's something so like putting him on the Flash. Oh, oh. my gosh! Or like get him to get him to shoot the next Jurassic World movie. God, hey, here, here's a bit of trivia. Okay. I don't know if you knew this because I've talked about this because it it, nerd, it freaks me out because I can't believe it, it was almost a thing. There was at one point and I it was I, – I think it was it was during the Back to the Future sequels. This was almost a thing and then 
uh, it fell apart and then he ended up uh, Zemeckis ended up going and directing I think Death Becomes Her I think was so it was all worth it what he followed up um, I think that's what he followed up uh, Back to the Future 3 with I'm pretty sure who, can um, we do a minute yeah because that was 92 can we do a minute but to minute no. of Death Becomes Her <laughs> I, I haven't seen that movie in a it's, while I'd like to revisit it's it it's freaky yeah um, so there was a time during the back to, during the filming of Back to the Future two and three in which Bob G Bob Gale was writing a uh, a script for a Flash movie. Wow, that was going to be directed by Zemeckis and star Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox is Barry as Barry Allen. As Barry Allen, that's yeah. almost that's you know. That, that's like that that borders on like ultimate tragedy. That's playing to me. That's playing at the multiplex and like my heaven. Yeah, right. That's like one of those like you know the those movies that you hear about that never get made. And I don't even think I don't even think this flash got f- past like the scripting stage sure. or anything, you know? It had like <clears throat> people attached, and there was a script being worked on. It might have even been before the Back to the Future sequels because it might have actually been the TV show that ended it. I don't know. Um, but at some point that was going to be a thing that was going to happen. And in all of those alternate universe movies, like Superman lives and right, right, right. That's the one I would give up a chance to see any other one except for that one. Like, that's the one that I'm like, I want to see that movie. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. It's nuts. Like Thomas L. Wilson is like Gorilla Grodd. Yeah. It might have actually been Who Framed Roger Rabbit that killed Flash, because he might have like I, I would rather go and do this thing. I mean, you know, yeah. because at the time, like superhero movies were out of favor, of course, you yeah. know, until until uh, Tim Burton's Batman. Um, oh, but man. in any event, whatever happened, because you can find you you can only find very little info on it. There's like there's like a very short reference to it in like an interview with Bob with Bob G at some point that he was writing a Flash script. And that that was what it was going to be like. That was the plan. But I don't think there was any sort of official announcement or anything like that. It was just a thing that he was talking to Warner. Got to get about. my hands on a draft of that. I know. I know. Yeah, it's 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 crazy. Um, so that's uh, that's all I've got for minute three. What do you do? You have anything? No, no. I mean, that's a lot. Um, all right. Well, uh, we will be back tomorrow then with uh with minute four uh in the meantime you can uh follow us on twitter at bttf minute uh or uh, go to our website back to the future minute.com and leave a comment on this episode or check out other episodes or whatnot uh and uh go to itunes and leave reviews because that's a really great way to for people to find the show and yeah and uh, if they find it, realize that it's worth listening to. Um, and then also just tell people, please go yeah, get out there you, and spread the word. If you're a fan of uh, Goodfellas Minute or Star Wars Minute, or if you have a friend that, you know, works in an office or like yeah. commutes and they know that they love Back to the Future. Right. Also, welcome. Thanks for thanks for listening. Oh yeah, yeah. If you made it this far, thanks thanks for uh, you know we've never been guests on Star Wars Minute, so if you heard about us from that show or um, or or whatever, uh, thank you so much for giving yeah. us a shot. That's awesome. How's your Wednesday? Uh, yeah, <laughs> is it good? Good. Excellent. You're almost there. It's hump day. Yeah, 
<laughs> so anyway, uh, we will see you uh, tomorrow, Thursday, with uh, Minute 4. Bye. Bye.